Welcome to week three of Lockdown Blackhawks. It's Jay Zawoski with you here, the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A ton to get to on today's show. The Blackhawks played a game on Saturday. It started out good and ended bad. Seeing a common theme here. It's Mailbag Monday, of course, so we're going to play your voicemails, answer some of your email and Twitter questions as well. And, of course, we're going to break down the Blackhawks' 3-2 overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets from Saturday night. Before that, I want to tell you guys all about the podcast. Give us a follow. Give me a follow. See, I told you about this last week. It's going to be a problem. Give me a follow on Twitter, at LO underscore Blackhawks. If you want to follow my personal account, it's at jzawoski670. You can also follow my Madhouse podcast account there. It's at Madhouse Pod. We released a new episode of that podcast on Friday, so make sure you check that out. Some big picture stuff in there, as well as reaction to the first home game of the season. Send me an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com, or, of course, leave a voicemail, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. Got a pair of voicemails we're going to play during the mailbag segment that will be uh, towards the end of the show so we can get into reacting to the game from Saturday night. So let's get right to it. The Hawks lose 3-2 to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, at the United Center, Robin Leonard gets his first start of the season and plays pretty well. I think that five-hole goal he might want back. Leonard, after the game, acknowledged that it wasn't a great goal, but he also made a number of really, really quality saves. And I, I think it might be time to just give him a couple consecutive starts in a row. Crawford's not off to a great start. I liked what I saw from Leonard. Really strong rebound control, faster you know, moving left to right in the crease. He had the beautiful stack of the pad save on Mark Shifley, who had all day to pick a spot, and Leonard denied him. I think he had a really solid game. We're going to get to the pluses and minuses later on, but just a couple things I want to go over here. Another good start for the Hawks. The first period was very solid. You got the shorthanded goal right off the hop. Carpenter, I think, Ryan Carpenter had his best game as a Blackhawk uh, so far. Of course, it's only three games into the year, but he was very noticeable. He lifts the stick in the defensive zone, heads the other way, makes a nice little move to cut past Patrick Line as well, centers the puck to Saad uh, shorthanded, and the Hawks take a one nothing lead. Moments later, Drake Kajula had a really strong scoring chance. I sort of liked what he brought to that top line. The idea there was to provide some spark, to provide some energy, and Drake Kajula did just that. I thought Jonathan Taves was a lot more noticeable in the game. I thought overall the air quotes top line was a lot more effective than it had been. So, yeah, it's not great to have to take, you know, it, when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Thames aren't working, that's some grounds for concern. But overall, I think the two top lines worked pretty well. The camp side and Kubelik line was good again, and I think your fourth line had a pretty solid game. Didn't notice too much from Brendan Perlini, but um, overall, I think better. This is sort of a better, I would say, overall setup I think you have four lines that are more balanced out than you had early on in the season so a couple things to get to um the goal that drove me nuts is the uh cop goal in the third period to tie the game at two cop finds his way it wasn't really hard he finds his way in front of the Hawks net Dehan Gustafson and every Blackhawk on the ice starts chasing Kyle Connor who's got the puck and cop is all alone on the doorstep, it was the easiest goal he'll ever score. And it's these defensive breakdowns 
that are killing the Blackhawks. It's just killing them. It happens over and over again. This is what happened last season, and yeah, we've talked about it all offseason and over the last couple weeks that the personnel is better defensively, but you're having the same kind of mistakes that you've had all last season. It's aggravating, and it feels like every mental lapse ends up in the back of the Hawks' net, and that's probably not true. It just sort of feels that way anecdotally. It's a very frustrating way to start the season. You see the way the first period started, and the Hawks come out like a house of fire. They did the same thing in the home opener against the Sharks. They came out and were dominating that game. And then when the smoke clears, you look at the numbers, you're like, oh my God, the Hawks got pasted in this game. This game against the Jets on Saturday wasn't quite as bad, but it's just incredibly frustrating that... The personnel has been seemingly upgraded. You finally had your full regiment of defensemen. DeHaan was back. Murphy was back. And you've got your what you're deeming your top six right now, and you saw a lot of the same mistakes. From what I'm gathering, this Jeremy Cowton system of defense is not easy to grasp, which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but I just it's been almost a year now, and it's just not... I don't know. It's taking too long to get. It's taking too long for these guys to understand because how many times have we seen the Blackhawks just abandon a guy or read a play wrong where three or four guys are going after the same person where one or two other guys on a team are left alone? I also have a little bit of an issue with the way that overtime goal went. Jonathan Tave turns it over in the offensive zone. Two Jets converged on him and took it. I'm not going to blame him. It's not like it was a lazy play. But then, you know, Patrick Kane heads back sort of half-heartedly and finds a spot on the ice right in front of Shifley, makes no effort to block the shot or get in the way or deflect the shot. And I know it's a bang-bang play, but man, you've got to give a better effort than Patrick Kane gave. And look, I know he's going to give you 100 points or whatever, so you sort of live with the defensive lapses. But when the team's playing as poorly as they're playing right now, you need all the help you can get. You need all the breaks you can get. You need some guys to sell out and really play as hard as they can to get this first win. I don't think they're as bad as they're playing. I really don't. But it's been a really frustrating ride for the Blackhawks so far, and they need to be better. Robin Leonard said it after the game. We've got to correct these mistakes. They're correctable. It's not that bad, but we got to correct these mistakes. And he's right. I mean, that's what we got to work on, I think. Uh... You know, I thought the first and the third were really good. Uh, the second wasn't as good. Uh, we we got to make sure that our low is a little bit higher than it is uh, when, we, when we go into those low modes. we got to make sure it's not as good of a chance. But uh, small details, we're going to get there. I really liked what I saw from a lot of today's games. So progress. That Robin Leonard audio, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. It's time to get to... The pluses and minuses. Let's start with the pluses. The pluses. Robin Leonard, who you just heard from, really solid game. 33 saves, uh, did not get the win, but uh, played very, very well. Played well enough to get the win, and I think well enough to earn himself a second start in a row when the Hawks play Monday night. My second positive goes to Jonathan Taves, who probably had his best game of the season. Yes, he had his pocket picked. In overtime, but uh, he was double teamed. Not much he could do about it. He was at the end of a shift. 
Jets went back the other way and scored. But aside from that, I think Taves had his most active game. He was a factor in front of the net. He was a factor in the offensive zone. Really liked what I saw from Jonathan Taves. And the best plus of the day, Kirby Doc is playing hockey. If you missed it over the weekend, Kirby Doc was reassigned to the Rockford Ice Hogs for a conditioning stint, played in their game on Saturday. He'll play again tonight, Monday, for the Ice Hogs. And who knows, maybe after two games, he could be back joining the Blackhawks. So something to keep an eye on this week. But Doc was asked after the game how he felt after his first professional game. Felt pretty good. I mean, first shift, shift and a half, kind of nervous a little bit, just first program. So trying to take it a little bit step step back and just see what it's about. And then after that, I kind of felt comfortable and was able to make plays. And uh, at the same time, when there, there's things in my game I, I need to clean up and to, to be better and be able to play at the next level. Now for the minuses. Dylan Strom, not great at the faceoff dot. Thought he played well otherwise, but he won two faceoffs and lost eight. You'd like that to be cleaned up for your second line. And I mentioned it earlier in the podcast for my second minus. Patrick Kane's effort in overtime was not great. I think he could have busted back harder. I think, think he could have done more to disrupt the Mark Shifley shot on goal. I know you don't want Patrick Kane laying out blocking shots time after time during a long season, but when things are starting to spiral out of control here and that extra point would have felt really nice, it would have been nice to see him make that extra effort. And the third minus of the game goes to me, who went to the washroom during the game and walked past Bob Pulford, who I never wanted to see ever again in my entire life, but there he was. Bob Pulford, yep, he's still alive, 83 years old, actually looked pretty good, all things considered, but man, I thought we'd put those days behind us, but there was Bob Pulford in a suit with a Hawks credential. (laughs) Bone chilling. We all love a night out, going to the game or going to the concert to see your favorite band or sports team. Nothing beats being in the building, right? Well, Vivid Seats is the place for tickets to all the live events you want to see. You can sort by price or pick the exact seats you want in the section or row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats Rewards is their loyalty program. With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can attend the concert or game you want and earn credit towards the next live event on your radar. With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn credit towards their next purchase. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app where you will be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Time to go down the number line on Locked on Blackhawks. Jay Zawoski with you here. Locked on Blackhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm not going to recap the Corsi numbers from the game against the San Jose Sharks. It was so ugly. It was probably as bad as I've ever seen. But I do want to tell you the Corsi and Fenwick for the game against the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. For those of you that are not well-versed in Corsi and Fenwick, I'm going to, from here on out, put a link to definitions of those terms in the show description. So you can check out the show description. I'll have descriptions or links to the definition of Corsi and Fenwick so you can understand. Basically, it measures the percentage of shot attempts for and shot attempts against. 
Corsi counts block shots as a shot attempt. Fenwick does not. That's the difference. So in the first period, at 5-on-5, five five, the Blackhawks held a 57.14% Corsi advantage with 16 shot attempts for and 12 against. Now the second period, where everything sort of falls apart for the Blackhawks. 35.71%. 10 attempts for, 18 attempts against. And then they sort of bounce back in the third period at 5-on-5 five five with 19 attempts for and 15 against. That's a game total of 50%. This 50% on the dot. Fenwick, their total was 50.79. So they had the advantage in possession by a very little bit. If you're looking at Fenwick, Corsi, it was totally even. And I think if you look at that game on the whole, it was pretty evenly played. It could have gone either way. Obviously, it went to overtime. It doesn't get closer than that. But that second period, they've got to clean that up. They've got to find a way to play a consistent 60 minutes because they're not talented enough defensively to overcome those bad periods. And so far, the offense hasn't been what we expected it to be either. Look, if they're going to outscore people 6-5 every night, I can live with that. But the offense hasn't been what it was last year just yet either. Again, I think the Hawks are better than they're playing. I think they're better than 0-2-1. I think some things, now that they're getting healthy, maybe Kirby Doc's going to be back in a couple games here. You might see them get better. You might see the next steps get taken. But it's time. You cannot fall too far behind in a division this stacked and this loaded. And tonight, the Blackhawks go against the 5-0 and Edmonton Oilers. few more numbers I want to go over with you before we get to Mailbag Monday. Time on ice. We mentioned this a few times last week. Duncan Keith played 25 minutes on Saturday night against the Jets. That's too much. I'm sorry. He's not that good anymore. He's not that reliable anymore. He does not need to play 25 minutes. Connor Murphy, his partner, played 23-10. Looking at some of the other defensemen here. Brent Seabrook, 18-39. Ole Mata, 16-55. Calvin DeHaan played 18-03 in his debut. Pretty solid, considering he's coming off a groin injury. To see him be able to play that many minutes, that's a good thing. Eric Gustafson played 16-43. And the fact that Eric Gustafson was your lowest total in ice time for defensemen, that should tell you something. That should tell you that Jeremy Calton is not pleased. And if you missed the podcasts last week, played some audio of Jeremy Calton flat out questioning Eric Gustafson's commitment. And uh, Gus hasn't really responded yet. He needs to be better. Look, he's coming into an unrestricted free agent year where the Blackhawks have his replacement waiting in the wings in Adam Boquist. So if he doesn't get the message soon, he might be on his way out of town. Who knows? Gustafson needs to be better. Just be adequate defensively, and I think everyone, including Jeremy Calton, will be happy with that. So far, through three games, he has not been adequate. It's time for Mailbag Monday on Locked on Blackhawks. Thank you all so much for sending in your questions via email. That's LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com, via Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks, and via voicemail 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. Let's start things off with our first official voicemail of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. Hey, Jay. My name is Brian Warren, and I live out in DeKalb, Illinois. 
First off, I love the new Locked On Blackhawks podcast. It's a great network, and you're the perfect addition to it to represent the Blackhawks. Uh, I just listened to the Monday, October 7th episode, and I heard your comment about how it would be interesting to see if Colleton will have the nerve to bench guys like Seabrook and Crawford if it's in the best interest of the team. kind of makes me wonder uh, how much he may or may not be limited in that aspect by those above him, uh, namely Bowman, McDonough, and Wirtz. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts as you have sources in an organization that give you a great window into that type of team dynamic. Keep up the great work, Jay. Thanks. Brian, thanks so much for the voicemail and the kind words. A lot is made of this uh, Bowman, McDonough, words thing. And from what I know, and I've been around this team for a really, really long time, I've got really good and reliable sources inside the organization. And while, of course, the people in charge are going to have input in how things work and how the team is built and things like that. From what I understand, it's not as intrusive as I think you'd believe. I don't think John McDonough is knocking on Stan Bowman's door, telling him to make trades or telling him to play this guy over that guy. Of course, he's going to have insight on whether or not they can sign a big free agent. They have to approve the money. Rocky Wirtz has to approve the money. If a big name player is getting traded, they're going to have to right off on it right they're gonna have to say hey if it comes down the line that they're gonna trade brent seabrook or duncan keith or jonathan taves bowman's not just gonna do that without saying hey rocky john just so you know this is coming i think that's pretty typical for every organization yes there can be meddling from time to time but for the most part from what i understand and this is from several reliable sources stan bowman is allowed to do his job so I don't know if that makes you feel good or bad, but from what I understand, Stan Bowman is very much allowed to do the job he's been hired to do. And I think even if you're not the biggest fan of Stan Bowman, to know that if he wants to make a move and if he thinks a move is the right thing to do, that he's allowed to do it, I think I think that's a good thing. So that's just me. That's just my take on it. And uh, I'm just I will always be honest with you guys. I've got no, um, you know, there's no. One from the Blackhawks give me any pressure. There's not a lot I can lose from them. It's not like they give me a lot of guests to put on. Um, I don't really focus on talking to players too much because they don't typically have too much to say. So I don't worry about that stuff. I really don't. And frankly, yeah, my career at the score is a radio producer. And if I piss off a team, it's probably not great. But there's no team in town we give less attention to of the major teams anyway than the Blackhawks. So not a concern for me. I'm just telling you, you will always get my honest take. Got a tweet here from Dan Larson. Again, tweet me at LO underscore Blackhawks. He says, why not find out if Perlini and Doc can play? Stop wasting time. You might want scorers on the fourth line. So here's what he proposes as his line combinations. Top line, Taves, Perlini, and Kane. Second line, Strom, Debrinkit, and Shaw. Third line, Doc, Saad, Kubalik. Fourth line, Carpenter, Smith, and Kajula with Nylander and Kampf as the scratches. Once Doc is healthy, I don't mind that. I really don't. I don't mind putting a big physical winger and Brenda Perlini up front with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. I think it could work. Debrinkit, Stroman, Shaw has worked already, and I really like that third line of Saad, Doc, and Kubalik. That could really be something dynamic. Now, something to keep in mind, the AHL does not, stra- does not track faceoff stats but our buddy Greg Boyson, who gave us a Rockford, who gave us a Rockford IceHogs preview last week, was at the game, and just it felt like Kirby Doc was having trouble winning faceoffs. And after the game, Doc said, "Yeah, you know, 
that's just the thing about strength and I'm playing up against stronger players. That's something I'm going to have to work on is my upper body strength. So he acknowledged that faceoffs were an issue with him. So it wouldn't shock me if when he started the season with the Hawks, if he started at wing. That said, there's some other guys on his team getting a lot of playing time that are getting killed on faceoffs too. So it'll be interesting, but something to keep an eye on for when Kirby Doc does join the Blackhawks. Next up, we have an email that's locked on blackhawks at gmail.com. Question here from Tim Douglas. He says, what's with the line shakeups on Saturday? Splitting up Strom, DeBrincat, and Kane and Taves seem to not work for anyone. Just me. Also, I'm not a hockey enthusiast, so please coach me. Is Zach Smith actually deserving of a roster spot? That's from Tim Douglas. Again, thanks for the email, Tim. Uh, I think what they were trying to do is get that Jonathan Taves line going. Uh, nothing was happening with him and Kane. They were getting slaughtered in possession. They were creating nothing. They'll find themselves together again. I promise you that. You'll see Kane and Taves together. And Debrinkit was sort of the option to put up top of Taves because if you're going to put Kajula up there, you've got to give Taves an, like, a proven scoring option at wing. Maybe I would have used Brandon Saad there, but I don't mind Debrinkit getting a look. And again, I think that line was pretty good on Saturday. As for Zach Smith, Zach Smith does not play a sexy game. He doesn't play a fancy game. He's a guy that's going to go straight ahead. He's going to give you uh, good, solid shifts, good, honest shifts. He only played 10 minutes in the game, but he went 4-0 on faceoffs, delivered two hits, wasn't a huge factor in the game. And, you know, I don't know if you really would expect him to be. He's just kind of a, you know, that's what fourth liners do. And he has, in his career, he has scored some goals, but I don't think you're going to see a big offensive output from him uh, with the Blackhawks because he's probably going to be spending almost all of his time on the fourth line for the Hawks. So um, to expect a lot of offense from him is probably not going to happen. Um, but I do think he brings value to the team. I think he brings something that they were missing last year and having a guy that can come in and be effective uh, in, in, in the defensive zone on a penalty kill, things like that. Um, again, not sexy. He's not going to wow you by any means but he's going to give you some steady play. And I think Artem Isimov will probably finish this year with better stats. I'd almost guarantee that. But the value that uh, that Smith brings, it's it's hard to measure. It really is. But I promise you, uh, he, is, he is contributing to the Blackhawks this year. I'm looking up his zone starts here. He only starts 37% of his shifts in the offensive zone. So... It's a guy who's going to primarily try to get you out of your defensive zone and into the offensive zone. That's his job, and I think uh, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Zach Smith. Another email here, LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com from Michael Trench. Is it reasonable to think that the Hawks' defense can get materially better as the year goes on so long as they're counting on Keith and Gustafson for significant minutes? Is Cowan's defensive system bad or just a bad fit for our back-end talent? Is it smart to play man-to-man scheme with so many guys that are slow, Keith, Seabrook, Mata, or just awful defensively in general, Gustafson? We talked about this a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think you can lean on Keith and Gustafson uh, to, to be on the ice as much as they are. They're not a top pair. Duncan Keith is not a top-pairing defenseman anymore, and it's really sad to say the Hawks don't have one. They really don't. If your most reliable defenseman are Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan, that's not good. I'd like both those guys. They're threes and fours. They're not ones or twos. By any measure, on any kind of team, they cannot be your top defensive defenders. They're just, they can't be. And you could say, like, look, I said it earlier, if Gustafson can give you average defensive play, 
and then contribute offensively, okay, that's something. But he's not doing that yet. And I think Keith had a better game on Saturday, but until I see him put a bunch of them together, I'm not going to believe that over the course of 82 games, 36-year-old Duncan Keith is going to be a number one level defenseman anymore. He's not. Maybe he's off to a slow start. That's reasonable. Maybe he can get better than he's been. Absolutely. But he's not a number one defenseman anymore. And the Blackhawks don't have one. And they don't really have one in the pipeline. He also offers some line combination suggestions. Saad, Taves, Kubalik, Debrinkit, Strom, Kane, Shaw, Doc, Perlini. Look, I'm up for any line combinations that include Kirby Doc. I'm just ready. I'm ready to see what he can contribute to the team this year, if anything. If he is a 40-point guy this year and gives you some power play time and can provide some physicality and some net front presence, he's worth it, man. I said last week, if he's learning as your third-line center to take over that job when Jonathan Taves calls it a career as the top-line center, I think that's ideal. Unless he's really, really struggling, I think they should keep him here. So, sure, Saad, Taves, Kubalik, I like it. I think Kubalik and Saad have been good together. I'm not sure David Kampf is this, is the straw that's stirring that drink. Second line of uh, Debrinkit, Stroman, Kane. Yep, that works. We've seen it work. And then Shaw, Doc, and Perlini. I'm not as sold on Perlini as a lot of people are. I think the fact that he's big um, can make you feel like he's maybe more effective than he is. But I think he's just a guy. I And I'm not sure the Blackhawks are in love with him either. I reported all summer on the Madhouse podcast that they were trying to move him and couldn't find a taker. So they just signed him to that deal late in the summer. Um, he's a fine depth player. But yeah, third line winger, sure. Give him a shot. That's a legit you know, third line, a strong checking line with Shaw, Doc, and Perlini. They could at least play physically. So I'll take a look at that. Let's go back to the voicemails. If you want to leave us one, 708-653-0572. Hi, Jay. It's Rocker here from uh, Ontario. Just wanted to let you guys know I'm really digging the podcast. Uh, this is a big commitment of you guys to try to pump one out every day or so. But uh, what I've heard so far, really enjoying it, and you're right on. So just wanted to give you a shout-out and uh, just give you a what-up. So take care. Bye. Okay, so that wasn't technically a question, but it was a guy being really nice to me in a really thick Canadian accent, so I had to put it on here. He gave us a shout-out. I've always wanted a shout-out. I've never got one of those before. So I appreciate it, Rocker. Thanks for listening. Everyone who uh, contributed to Mailbag Monday, appreciate it. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 708-653-0572. I'll play compliments. You want to compliment me? I will play it. I am not above that by any means. If you want to rip me, if it's funny, I'll play it. That's fine. If you're going to be funny about it, I'll do it. But if you say, hey, you suck, Zawaski, I know. I'm aware. That's why I had to play these nice messages to make myself feel better. But again, 708-653-0572. If you're too shy to leave a voicemail, you can go ahead and leave us an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. There I did. I said it again, us. If you want to tweet me, tweet me at LO underscore Blackhawks. I'll do my best to get to all of them. I will say that often they're kind of repetitive because the stories for this team and most sports teams are kind of the same. I've heard other sports podcasts where they just answer the same question over and over and over again about one particular player. I'm not going to waste your time with that. I want to keep this to one segment most days. So um, with that, I want to wrap things up. Thank you again for joining me on Locked on Blackhawks. I just told you how to follow the show on Twitter, but tell your friends. If you tell a friend and they tell a friend, that's your homework for this week. Find a Hawks fan you know 
and tell them about Lockdown Blackhawks. Say, hey, there's this new weekly podcast. Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score and the Madhouse Podcast host it. It happens Monday through Friday. It's available at 6 a.m. every weekday. If you haven't noticed that, that's when they drop. 6 a.m. is when they become available every day, Monday through Friday. Tell a friend and then tell them to tell a friend. And if that works, we're all going to be happy. The Lockdown Network's going to be happy. And I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be in better moods during these podcasts. And that's a great thing. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being a part of things uh, for the first two weeks as we kick off our third week here. The numbers have been fantastic. I've gotten nothing but great feedback from the people at Locked On Podcast Network. So that's because of you guys. That's from the Madhouse people that followed me over and the new people that have discovered the podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. It really does mean the world to me. I really do appreciate it. So with that, going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.